0: Interestingly enough, it is a word that occurs in only one book of the New Testament and in only one chapter in that one book. But the word beautifully represents what Christian living should be all about. As a matter of fact, this word found in only one New Testament book and only one chapter of that particular book is so important that if anybody wants to leave a legacy that lasts, this word will summarize what their life is all about. Open your Bibles to Revelation, the 19th chapter. Because in the first six verses of Revelation chapter 19, a word occurs four or five times in that context. The word is hallelujah. In context, it has to do with the fact that Babylon, the harlot, is no more. In context, it has to do with the fact that blessed are those that come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah! Praise God! And what I'd like for you to understand tonight is that if you and I would leave a legacy that lasts, We will be living, breathing, walking, talking, loving, serving, hallelujahs to God. Praise God. The concept is found throughout the New Testament. To the praise of His glory, Ephesians 1 verse 6, Ephesians 1 verse 12, Ephesians 1 verse 14 God, outside of our Lord Himself, I don't think that anyone understood the concept better of what it means to leave a legacy that lasts better than the Apostle Paul. Open your Bibles to the 20th chapter of the book of Acts. It's hard sometimes to be a living, breathing, walking, talking, loving, serving, hallelujah to God because life is hard. And we all know our share of difficulty after all, man born of woman is but a few days and full of trouble. Job 14.1 But I want... To so live my life that I can live a legacy that lasts. I want to trust God in every trial. I want to praise God through every problem. I want to sing of His greatness even when I know sorrow. I want to be a living hallelujah to my Lord and Savior. Don't you? Because really, that is the legacy that lasts. We outlive our lives when we live our lives in Jesus and for Jesus. Look at Acts 20. Acts chapter 20 has the distinction. It has the distinction of being the only sermon in the book of Acts given exclusively to Christians. Therefore, that should really get our attention. And when we look at Acts 20, verses 17, to the end of the chapter, verse 38, there are so many great truths of Scripture that all converge. Father, Son, and Spirit, the Godhead. The will of God, the gospel of God, the Word of God. Suffering. The proclamation of the Word of God. So many of the themes that we see throughout the New Testament we'll see in Acts 20, verses 17 through 38. And as a matter of fact, this sermon... Almost line for line can be seen in the letters of the Apostle Paul. No surprise there. As he deals with the elders of the church at Ephesus in this passage, Acts 20, you'll see that the same man was the same servant of God in his letters. And the same great themes continue to come up. Unpacking Acts 20, 17-38 through 38 is a ton of fun, y'all. We're going to have a blast. Put on your safety belts and your crash helmets because we're going for a ride from God's great word. And talk about leaving a legacy that lasts, that lasts. Now when we look at Acts 20, And this treasure chest, this treasure chest of a legacy that lasts, I want you to know it consists of three jewels, three jewels in a treasure chest for those who would leave a legacy that lasts, that are living, breathing, walking, talking, loving, serving, hallelujahs, to our God, our King, our Lord, our Savior. Here's the three jewels. The first jewel is track record. Track record. A track record of faithfulness. We're going to see that as we begin studying Acts 20 in the study tonight. The second jewel is commitment ongoing commitment to growth and excellence in serving none of us ever reach the point as Christians where we can say i've arrived the third jewel listen relationships precious relationships When we think about the treasure chest of a life well-lived for Christ that really impacts others for the sake of Christ and for eternity, it's about a track record of faithfulness. It is about an ongoing commitment to growth and to excellence in ministry. It is about the precious relationships that we're able to have along the way that thank God will go into glory and eternity. You listening? Have I whetted your appetite? Look now at Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 21. Because in this very short piece of Scripture, there are no less than ten ingredients of a track record of faithfulness. Now think about this. Preachers think about this. Every preacher should want a relationship with his elders, with the leaders of the church, like Paul had with the elders at Ephesus. And if you're an elder in the Lord's church, oh, I pray that you would long to have a relationship with your preacher like the Ephesian elders had with Paul. When you look at Acts chapter 20 and verse 17, he asked them to come and meet him. At Miletus, they make a 30-mile journey from Ephesus, by foot, I presume, dropping everything in their lives because when Paul asked to meet, here's someone that they loved and cared for and they had a precious relationship in Christ with. Undoubtedly, Paul was the one who had taught some of those men and they'd come to the knowledge of Jesus. When you look at Acts chapter 20, notice the track record of Paul as he says, you know, when they all come together, you know, for three years I was with you, verse 31, and day in and day out you saw how I tried to live my life and you heard what I proclaimed and you came to not only know me, you came to know my heart and soul. Track record. Now look at verse 18. The first of these ten. There's a track record. There's a track record of teamwork and unity. Unity. Paul says, I was among you. Mark that in your Bibles. He was among them. He wasn't better. He didn't look down his apostolic nose at them. He was Never has there been a servant of the Lord that was more of a team player and more interested in the unity of God's people than Paul. Talk about giving diligence to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, Ephesians 4 and verse 3. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, Psalm 133 and verse 1. Talk about speaking the same thing and being of the same mind and judgment and that there were no divisions. Paul is a team player and he is in to unity. Psalm, or rather, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. Friends, think about that. If we want to leave a legacy that lasts, Are we known as team players? Some Christians don't play well with others. Some Christians don't work well with others. They get really territorial. And some get a little bit full of themselves, don't we? I want you to know that God will not bless a church and God will not bless a Christian church who is not interested in being a team player and in the unity of the faith. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, that whether I come to see you or be absent, I hear of your state, that you stand fast with one spirit, with one soul, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Philippians 1.27 There's a track record of teamwork and unity And preachers, I'm talking to you right now. If you have a track record of nothing but broken churches and bloodied brethren, that does not honor God. Secondly, look at verse 19. There's a track record. There's a track record of discipleship and service. That is seen in the expression, serving the Lord. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Mark 10, verse 45. In love, serve one another. Galatians 5, 13. Have a faith that works through love. Serving. Galatians 5, and verse 6. discipleship. The things which you both learned and received and heard and saw in me do and the God of peace will be with you. Philippians 4, 9. Follow me even as I follow Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Yes, friends, every phrase of this sermon can virtually be found in the letters of Paul but they can most assuredly be seen throughout his life. How about your life and mine? A track record, a faithfulness in discipleship and in servanthood. We ought not think more highly of ourselves than we should Romans 12 and verse three. Our sufficiency is not of ourselves but of God. second Corinthians three and verse 5. Look at the text in Acts 20. Continue looking at verse 19. Serving the Lord, how? What does the text say? The Word of God says in Acts 20 and verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility. There's a track record, a track record of meekness and humility. Moses was known for his meekness, Numbers 12 and verse 3. Jesus was known for his meekness, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 and following. We know that the term means strength under control, Bridling our passions and bringing ourselves under the control of God and His will, bringing every thought under captivity to Christ. Second Corinthians ten four through six. A track record of humility and meekness. Humility doesn't mean you think badly of yourself. It simply means you're not thinking of yourself. You're thinking of the Lord, you're thinking of His will, you're thinking of people, and you are concerned primarily about them and not so much about yourself. A track record for leaving a legacy that lasts. Notice again, serving the Lord with all humility and tears. That's the fourth part of the track record. There's a track record of empathy and a track record of compassion. A track record of empathy and compassion. The Lord, when He saw people, was often moved with compassion. Matthew nine thirty six, Matthew 14, and verse 14. Are we We live in a time where more and more people as Christians are challenged to have empathy and compassion for the plight of others. It seems all too easy to succumb to the temptation, that's just their tough luck, that's just their dumb luck. There are too many dry-eyed churches in a hell-bound world. In a book of joy, Philippians, Paul weeps when he thinks of the enemies of the cross of Christ. Philippians 3, 18 and 19. The elders at Ephesus had seen, they had witnessed Paul's tears because he cared He was compassionate. There was empathy. He compared about God. He he cared about God rather. He cared about God's will. He cared about people and their souls. I appreciate this congregation. I know you do. I appreciate the school of preaching that's here. I know that you do as well. But I am especially thankful that this event occurred this year. Aren't you already? Looking at Acts 20, look again at verse 19. Talk about a truckload of truth and trying to get out what Paul is saying here. Here's what he's saying in verse 19 yet again. This is number five. He speaks of his long-suffering and perseverance. There's a track record of long-suffering and perseverance. The trials and the plots of the Jews he had to deal with. In the Bible, there are two basic words translated patience. One has to do with patience with people. The other has to do with patience with circumstances. If it weren't for people and if it weren't for circumstances, I'd have no problem with patience. How about you? In your patience possess you your souls, Luke 21, 19. You have need of patience, Hebrews 10, 36. Run with patience, the race set before us, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Follow after patience. Be in hot pursuit of patience. 1 Timothy 6 and the verses 11. There is a track record of long-suffering and Perseverance. Paul got discouraged, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. But he didn't stay that way. He knew what it was like to be knocked down, 2 Corinthians 4 verses 8 and 9, but he was never knocked out. How there needs to be a consistent track record of long-suffering patience and perseverance among God's people if we would leave a lasting legacy. Now look at Acts 20, verse 20. One verse, so much to think about here, as Paul deals in 20 and 21 with his track record a little more. He says, I did not shrink. There is a track record of boldness and there is a track record of courage, of conviction. Here was a man who was set for the defense of the gospel, Philippians chapter 1. Here is an individual that would stand up face to face with Peter in Galatians chapter 2 when Peter was carried away with racial prejudice. And then there's even the apostolic surprise in Galatians 2 of Paul. Even Barnabas was carried away with the things that were going on. My point is simple. There needs to be a track record of boldness and courage in standing for what is right, no matter what. I didn't shrink. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and the verse is 7. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor COVID, nor elections, nor things present, nor things to come, nor racism, nor any other thing in all the creation is able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There needs to be boldness and courage in seeing opportunity when all some can see is something to moan and groan and whine. The best is yet to be for the people of God because the future is always, always as bright as the promises of God. The Apostle Paul believed that. All the promises of God are in him, yes and amen. Second Corinthians 1 verse 20. Again, look at Acts 20 verse 20. I did not shrink. I did not cower. I didn't just get into a corner and ball up. But there's a track record of healthy and beneficial proclamation. I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. The character of God, the nature of God The Son of God, the salvation of God, the church of God, the kingdom of God, the word of God. Look at Acts 20. And we are saturated with the great truths of the New Testament. I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was proper. There's a track record of healthy and beneficial proclamation. Some of us who preach need to ask ourselves, is this really healthy in the eyes of the Lord and for the church of our Lord? And is it beneficial for the church of the Lord and in the eyes of my Lord? That would help us a great deal in our preaching, don't you think? again when you look at Acts chapter 20 there's a track record there's a track record there as he looks at his past there's a track record of faithfulness and you know you may not have been a Christian for a very long time I've been a Christian close to 50 years now but whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or more, or only a few months, may God help us to seek to have a legacy that lasts. Where we will be walking, talking, living, breathing hallelujahs. Look at Acts 20 again with me here. In Acts chapter 20... Notice that he had a track record of public and private proclamation. I taught you publicly and from house to house. One of the things they noticed, friends, is that Paul was the same person whether he was in public or whether he was in private. He was still a man of God. He still was seeking to have a legacy that lasts. Preachers, elders, I'm talking to you. If you want to bless the church and if you want to have a lasting legacy, be they're publicly teaching. Be there privately teaching too. From house to house, one of the reasons so many congregations are struggling is people cannot remember the last time a lost soul was brought to. But men and women of God will be concerned about making sure that people are taught privately. And men of God will want to teach God's Word publicly, but privately too. And few things will put some, some fill that tank up more and renew our passion for God than being able to study with someone that's lost or a Christian that's wandered away. Acts 20 and verse 20. He says, I taught publicly from house to house, testifying. Notice this, there's a track record of seriousness and inclusiveness. Testifying both to Jews and to the Greeks. That word testifying shows the seriousness of it. Yes, there's a time for laughter. And there's a time to joke. But Paul is talking to these elders of the church and he is talking about the seriousness of the task that we are engaged in as the leaders of God's people. And he's inclusive. He's the apostle to the Gentiles, Acts 9, 15 and 16, and yet he is also the one who made it his practice to go to synagogues and to try to teach those that were Jews. How inclusive are we? The older I get, the more I've learned that nearly everything I needed to know in life I could have learned in pew-packers. Red, brown, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. The gospel was intended by God to encompass people of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, Revelation 7 and verse 9. We better be inclusive in getting the gospel to others. Now, if you would, look at verse 21. In verse 21, he says, testifying both to the Jews and the Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in Christ Jesus. There's a track record, brethren, of God-centeredness And faith development. What's he talking about? Repentance toward God. God God-centeredness. It has been rightly said that repentance is the hardest command because when a person will truly repent, everything else should come a whole lot easier. A person that will repent will have no problem with baptism. And faith in Christ Jesus. I realize that tonight, I guess you could say I'm dealing with some of the cream of the crop. But even those who want to be faithful to the Lord, that want to trust Him in every trial, and want to praise Him in every problem, and want to sing... It is well with my soul in every sorrow. Sometimes we struggle and sometimes we fall. Notice verses 22 through 24 and I'll take you through verse 24 and we will conclude. Tomorrow morning, Lord willing, we'll look At the rest of the sermon. But in verse 22, now we're looking at the word commitment an ongoing commitment to growth and excellence. Look at verses 22 and 23, back-to-back references to the Spirit. The Trinity, the Godhead's found in Acts 20 very explicitly. And here's where Paul speaks of his ongoing commitment. First of all, he says there is a commitment. There's a commitment to the will of God He says, I'm constrained, I'm bound in the Spirit. We would say, I'm bound and determined, but he says, I'm bound in the Spirit. He's an apostle. We are not. But we have the Spirit's Word and we need to be bound and determined we need to have an ongoing commitment to do God's will no matter what your will be done Matthew 26:39 through 42 there's a commitment there I stand upon the Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. Look again at verse 23. Because verse 23 speaks of a commitment, an ongoing commitment to growth and to excellence in ministry. He says, I am committed. There's commitment. To suffer for the cause if it's necessary the spirit testifies that imprisonment and affliction await in this world you will have tribulation but rejoice i have overcome the world john 16:33 All who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12 There's an ongoing commitment to God's will. He wants to grow and He wants to excel more and more in serving the Lord He loves so much. In being a living hallelujah. He wants to keep growing and to excel even if it means suffering. Think 2 Timothy chapter 2, which really can be summarized, suffer for Jesus and His gospel. Now look at verse 24 with me. There's commitment to finishing well. You did run well. Who did hinder you from obeying the truth? Galatians 5 and verse 7 In all of our lives, there will be occasions that arise that will tempt us not to finish well. Look at Acts 20 and verse 24 and notice five word pictures. Word picture number one, Paul the accountant. I do not count my life as dear to me or precious. Look at Acts 20 and verse 24. Paul the runner. That I might finish my course. Not everyone who begins the Christian race finishes it. And all of us, if we've been Christians any length of time, know people who started so well, but they didn't finish well. Keep looking at the text. The third picture is that of a servant. Paul speaks of the ministry. The fourth picture is that of a steward that I have received from the Lord. We are managers of a sacred trust. Our lives, our souls, our families, the truth of the gospel... Sacred trust finish well. And then the fifth picture that of a herald, a trumpeter, an announcer, that I might proclaim the gospel of the grace. There is an ongoing commitment to the proclamation of the gospel of God's saving grace. What a chapter. What a sermon. What a life. And yet the Apostle Paul would be quick to say, not I, but Christ. Think of the Lord's track record in blessing you. Think of the ongoing commitment of the Lord to be kind and good and gracious to you. Think of the preciousness of the relationship that we have with the God of heaven because of Christ. Who wouldn't put their trust in Him? Who wouldn't want to turn away from sin and follow in the way of love and grace and hope and joy? Who wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't want to put Him on in baptism and have their sins washed away and to be a new creation? Who wouldn't want to leave a legacy because of Christ in us. You are the answer to what this sermon has been about. How you respond to Jesus. Let us stand and sing.